0: and we'll be wrapping up our series, Born in the USA. Nowhere to run, ain't got nowhere to go. It's been one of our longest series ever. But uh, we're working our way through Daniel, and we're thinking about his life, and we're seeing that his life, even though it was 2,600 years ago, uh, some of the things he experienced, some of the things he feels, we feel, all these years later. And we find that uh, his life speaks into our life. Uh, We discover that uh, he was ripped from his family, ripped from his home, plunged into a different culture, and uh, somehow he just doesn't survive, but he thrives in that. And sometimes you and I can feel like that. Sometimes we can feel like there's no place to go. We feel stuck. We feel stuck in our world, we feel stuck in our situations, but somehow Daniel and his friends navigate that world, and for every age and stage of life, they seem to come through well. We've got to remember, Daniel was 15 years old, give or take, when this whole thing started for him. And now as we're looking at him, he's coming to the end of his life, he's in his mid to late 80s. And Again, every step of the way, he's able to navigate that. He's able to live in, 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 that, uh, in that culture, in that context, and he's able to, to do things right. And so it gives us hope. He doesn't compromise, but he doesn't, in a sense, stand out in a negative way. He just walks uh, just a great line in and through that. Uh, very successful, uh, number two in the kingdom, time and time again, promotion after promotion. It's just, it's just amazing uh, to see how he does that. If this is your first Sunday here or you've missed a few weeks, as Cindy already said, there's a number of ways to, in a sense, uh, catch up and uh, go back uh, the message guides with the blanks filled in, whoo, are available, and uh, also you can watch uh, messages on YouTube or download them and listen to them. So, you know, as, as, we, as we think about Daniel, and today we're looking at uh, his prayer life, we're seeing that Daniel finds himself in what we would consider a crisis, and yet somehow in that, his life is lived in such a way that uh, God actually answers his prayer. So this morning, as we look at that, we're going to see some key areas where if they're a part of our lives, it just makes it more likely that you and I are connecting with God and he's going to be a part of our prayer life. This isn't some magic formula. This isn't something where if I check off this, check off this, then I'm guaranteed. That is not what this is. And you'll see that as we walk our way through this. But there are definitely things in his life that seem to facilitate, seem to grow his relationship with God. Now, when I, when I talk about prayer, I honestly feel like a novice. And if you talk to most people who have even been following Christ for a lot of years, and they, you ask them what their prayer life is like, most are going to say, well, you know, it's, it's good, but it could be more. It could, be, could have some added dimensions. I wish I, I wish it was more a part of my life and so when we look at prayer, you know, we're all, in a sense, learning this thing. It's, it's a relationship in movement. It's, it's growth. It's, it's, it's developing. And uh, a lot of times, though, in our modern world, when we look at prayer, it's a little confusing. We, we, there's a mystery to it. We wonder if we're doing it right, if, if we're getting it right. And, and in a sense, it was something that's very common, but we're in a sense, but we're really not sure of. We don't know how to operate it. And that, and that makes me think of one of these. Um, you know, some of us are old enough to remember how one of these works, and, and some of us aren't. And, uh, you know, I, I can remember this was actually the kind of, we had one of these in our house for years. And uh, the big day for us was when the, when the little wire here got, became a 20-foot wire. So you could leave the kitchen and wrap around someplace and talk. And sometimes I'd get up in the middle of the night around 11.30 on Saturday night, call my girlfriend, wrap this thing right into the bathroom, be hiding out there, talking until like 3 in the morning. Then would show up at church... And we'd be like, oh, but anyway, but that, that, that was amazing. We had no idea that there'd be a wireless phone someday and then to have cell phones. But, you know, trying to, trying to figure out how one of these puppies works is, is a mystery uh, for some of us. And if any of you have gone back and had to use one of these things, you might feel just like these kids. <laughs> What's
1: I, I have a question. You Can you No For
2: what? one so two what? Oh no, I am sitting here right <laughs> I thought you had to spin it around What's your notebook? Oh, I think I know what it is What's your notebook? Oh. Hang on I got it I got it, I got it, I got it I know how to do it I know how to do it! Move! Move! I got how
0: to do it! <laughs> I got it Well, if I did that, I'd just call mom
2: Do I have to let it go back every
0: time? When it comes to prayer, some of us feel like that. We think we're doing it right, but we're not sure. Do we pick up the receiver, put the receiver down? What's this? Do you you have to let the thing go all the way back? All those kinds of things. And in Daniel chapter 9, uh, we've seen Daniel praying and involved with that really throughout uh, the book of Daniel. But in Daniel chapter 9, we see him at this point. He's in his mid to late 80s, as I said already, and he has has a concern. And his concern is this. When will these captives, when will our people... Twenty-five thousand plus, probably many more, but in the in the captivity that he was in, it was twenty-five thousand. When will these people go back? When do we get to go back to Judah, to Israel, to Bethlehem? I mean, to, to Jerusalem. When do we get to go back? And, and he's starting to realize, hey, I'm I'm I've been here seventy years. And, and Jeremiah, in some of his writings that God had given him, said it would be 70 years. When does, when does this all come together? So this is a crisis for him. He, he's not necessarily expecting to go back himself. Maybe he is, but he's pretty old at this point. That would be a hard travel, but he's wrestling with that. He's, he's concerned about that. And as we watch how he prays and the things that are a part of his prayer, we can get a hint on how to do this thing or how to be in God's presence so that we can feel like, wow, this prayer thing is actually working. It's not like this old phone where we kind of have an idea about it but we're not really sure about it. So if you turn over to Daniel chapter nine, uh, that's page 621 in those Bibles you'll find around you. And if you don't happen to have a paper copy of God's Word, a Bible, please feel free to take that as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Also, you hear us all the time talk about version. Uh, it's a great thing to put on your uh, electronic device, your phone, your tablet, or whatever. Uh, Life Church gives this app away free. You can have any translation you want, so you might want to follow along with that. And we'll also have most of the passages right up on the screen. But Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to see how this unfolds for Daniel. Remember his age, and remember where he's at. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah, the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Daniel, smart guy, 15, 85-ish, that's 70 years. It's only going to last that long. When do we get back? And this will begin to usher in his prayer about when is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? Or is this even going to happen? In a sense, I'm Lord, I, I, I don't really like to say this, but I'm, I'm holding you to your word. You've promised this for us, and, and, and we want it. We want to experience this. We want to go back. And so as we think about prayer and we think about all of this, it's interesting that this gives us our starting point. And I really uh, didn't figure this out. Let's say I went to four years of Bible college. Actually, I did my four years in five years. I did the advanced program. So, so I went to Bible college, and it was a few years after that that you know I'm trying to figure out this prayer thing. And all of a sudden, I realize that when it comes to prayer, I need to listen first, and that's exactly what Daniel does. He's listened to the Word of God through Jeremiah first, and that's how his prayer is going to be formed. He's reading this, and now he wants to pray, and we've all heard the verses, you know, ask and you'll receive, pray and you'll get it, and Daniel realizes that if I really want to be praying, if I really want to be growing in this walk with God, this faith with God, where I start is with what he's revealed, the fact that God has initiated this in a sense, and uh, so God initiates this, God gives us a word gives Jeremiah these these words. Daniel is reading these words, and that's where he starts. For years and years, that was not where I started. I started with me. I started with what I felt. I started with my dreams. I started with my requests. That's where I started. And then I would read my token verse, which was, you know, I'd read my passage and then continue on praying without, without, in a sense, listening first. You see, what should shape our prayer life, what should shape our conversations with God? Because really, if we're going to say, what does prayer mean? Prayer is talking to God. It's a conversation with God. And we can have those at any time. So on the fly, prayers are great. But there ought to be a time where we kind of, get by ourselves, block out the rest of the world, however you do that, and pray. But those kinds of prayers, those prayers where we're kind of centering in, focusing in, should start with what we've heard from him first. See, God initiated, he, he initiates everything. He, he loves us first, so then we love him. I could on and on and on show you all these places where he initiates. Now, we have the option to reject to hold back, to, to, not, to not be listening. But when it comes to our prayer life, when it comes to uh, what we're praying about, it ought to start with our listening. Now, this, this now is an old book, but uh, I remember when Experiencing God came out with by Henry uh, and Richard Blackleby, that uh, th- this this was revolutionary. He talked about experiencing God. It talked about seven ways that you can experience God and and the primary way is, in a sense, is to hear Him through His Word. You can see situations, you can have strong Christians in your life, etc., 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 but one of the main ways is to, to know God's Word, to, to have it on your heart, and then to pray in light of what he's talked to you about, what he's told you about, what he's he's led you to. So so Daniel is doing that. Daniel's read Jeremiah. He says, hey, the 70 years are up. He doesn't say the 30 years are up. He doesn't say the 20 years are up. He says, the 70 years are up. Where did he get that number? Where did he get those ideas? Where did he get the ideas that they're going back to Jerusalem, going back to Jerusalem? From him. He He listened. And so you and I need to come to the place where when we're thinking about our prayer life, our conversations with God, our on-the-fly conversations, our our more in-depth, quiet conversations, we need to ask ourselves, are we really listening? Are Are we aware? I love in John 15, 7, it says this, but if you live in life union with me, and, in my word, my, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask for whatever you desire and it will be done. This idea of, wow, what I desire will be done. I like that part. We rush to that part. We love the verse that says, you know, the man who delights after God's heart will get what he wants. But we forget <laughs> That there's this other part, this life union, this connection. Uh, When God joins your life, when you welcome him in, and then when you feast on his words, digest his words, they live powerfully within you. Then when you start with your listening and praying, it's amazing how things unfold. But for years and years and years, Bible school graduate, you know, master's degree, you know, all that stuff. For years and years and years, I, I didn't start by listening. I started with me, what I wanted, what I saw, what I felt. You see, it really ended up being this one-way, one-sided conversation. Have you ever, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody, and they're just not listening? They have something on their heart, or they just talk it, and it's probably just themselves, and they just keep coming back to it, coming back to it, and they're not hearing a word you're saying. It's all one sided. You know, you're just like, wow, are they even? It's just, and it seems like the conversation, they're, they're just random things are coming. Just, you just can't get it. It's just, in a sense, it's just, just one sided. Have you ever had a conversation uh, like this? <laughs> <laughs> Play. 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 What are you doing?
2: I'm trying to use a Jedi mind trick to control Stephen Hawking. Play. 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 Ugh. He must be wearing a tinfoil hat or something. I did a bad thing. Does it affect me? No. Then suffer in silence.
0: Play. Play play. Stephen Hawking.
1: Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Penny started taking a class. She wrote a paper. She didn't want me to read it. I went behind her back. I read it anyway. Stephen Hawking hates me. I don't know what to do. The paper's terrible. But If I tell her, she'll know that I read it, and she'll get really mad.
2: I was beating him so bad he doesn't want to be friends anymore. Why does everyone love me except Stephen Hawking?
1: possible we're having two different conversations? Now what I know, I'm not listening to you. Hang on. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Chess clock. We each get five minutes to talk about our problems. We'll take turns. Each turn will consist of a statement and a helpful response from the friend. Begin.
2: I humiliated Stephen Hawking in a game
1: of words with friends. He stopped playing, and now we're not friends anymore. He's probably busy. You're worried about nothing. Give it a couple more days, I'm sure he'll play, and you'll see that everything's fine. My turn. I can't let Penny hand in a bad paper, but how do I tell her it's bad without letting her know that I read it?
2: Mm. Beats me. Now, <laughs> I know Hawking's not busy because I can see he's playing other people right now.
1: Maybe since you're so good, he's taking his time to meet the challenge. I want Penny to enjoy school. The told me he's a big baby. I didn't know that, and I played Extract for 82 points. It's all Amy's fault. She told me to play it. I've got to cut her loose. Sheldon, I wasn't done talking. She hands in the paper tomorrow. I know I could help her, and she's my girlfriend. I I should be allowed to help her. Why aren't I allowed to help her?
2: I hear you, brother.
1: You need to give me some advice. Uh, fine. Uh, women, huh? No. <laughs> Specific to my situation. But you're blonde women, huh?
0: <laughs> you get the idea. Sometimes that's the way our prayer, our conversation is with God. How many times have you heard something, read something experienced something, read a passage, and then in response to that passage, talk back to God about completely different things. Different things. It, it, it didn't even register with you. It didn't even register with you. you really didn't digest it. You see, Daniel shows that he takes what God says, where God led him, and then builds his prayer around that. Doesn't mean there are these moments where we're just kind of randomly we're looking at life and we're we're just praying. But but I, I there were there were years I would I would I would get disciplined reading my Bible every day and I would I would read it I would you know think about it for a couple seconds and then I'm off to prayer requests that don't relate anything to what I had just read. I love it when we're in a a small group and we have a discussion and all of a sudden I see the prayer requests and the subjects of prayer surrounding what we just talked about. And I hear someone say, Lord, help us to be more this way as we just learned, as we just thought. But a lot of times in those meetings, there's been groups where I've been a part of them where, where, where we've read this passage, we've talked about this spiritual concept, we, we know Lord is in the middle of it, we would say the Lord is talking to us, and then the prayer requests are completely unrelated. It's one-sided, one-sided. You know, we look at Jeremiah, and Jeremiah has a lot of good things to say. And, uh, you know, we see this, and this, again, Daniel is holding on to this. He says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And for those of us who have been in church world a little while, we've heard this passage a lot. We've held on to it. Sometimes we actually are, though, taking it totally out of context. This is, this is really directly being applied to Daniel and the people living in his day, and he's saying, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back from Babylon. That's my promise to you because in this situation, I have plans for you, declares the Lord, to prosper you, not to harm you. Uh, not necessarily applying this to your business, not necessarily applying this to things going on in our lives. Sometimes, yes, his plan is to give us hope, but it transcends this life into the next chapter of life. So something bad happens in my life or or, or my business is falling apart or a relationship is falling apart or there's confusion in my life and, and it's unfolding live right in front of me for the next, you know, I'm going to be living in it for the next two, three years or and then I pull this verse out and I go, oh, I guess I'm all set. Not necessarily true. Not necessarily accurate. I think you can hold on to the hope in the future, but... The hope in the future that I would really hold on to would say is screaming in a passage like that is the hope in the future when Christ comes and sets things right. Because I know, I know, you know these people. You've had to deal with this. Maybe it's been you that there's been some confusion in your life, some, some conflict in your life, and, and you pull this verse out, and, and you, maybe you look at your kids, and you say, man, my kids aren't following Christ anymore, Are they?" and they're doing this, and they're doing that, or maybe whatever it may be, and you pull this out and go, but he's not, and you live in that passage, and that passage doesn't necessarily apply to next week, next month, the next 10 years of your life. I can guarantee you it applies. It applies to your eternity if you've said yes to Christ. Guaranteed. But I know too many people that I'd say there is a Christ follower. I would like my life to mirror their life. I'd like to follow their lead because they do life well. It's Christ-centered. And then I see disaster fall in their, into their life. And, and, and it never gets better on this side of, 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 of eternity. And if I pull that verse out in the middle of their tragedy, in the middle of their whatever, they've lost a child, whatever's going on, and, and you pull that verse out and you go, don't worry, it's, you know, you, he's got a hope for you. Like in the next five years, ten years, things are going to turn around. Maybe, maybe not. I know the eternity... Where that's going where I can't do that and it's interesting we cite a verse like this and then we forget about verse 12 that again it comes back to this whole idea of relationship then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I'll listen it's 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 conversation so again the hope and the future and all of that is tied to relationship more than a place more than a thing more than a item. Because we could even go back and say, yes, I've been reading through Ezra and Nehemiah. We can say, yes, the people returned to Jerusalem. They reestablish it. They get the temple going. They, they complete the wall and all of that. But today, if you went to Israel, went to Jerusalem, it's still pretty crazy there. So, so, so what does that mean? God's saying, yes, in the moment, to Daniel, but he's saying something bigger than that. Your hope in the future isn't getting your life into this whatever, this American dream, this perfect kind of life. Your hope in the future is experiencing more and more of your relationship with God, where you have this conversation, where you talk, where he's your friend, where he's a part of your life. And you start to work the bugs out of that relationship. And then when eternity comes around the corner, the bugs are all worked out. It's, it's perfect. And that's the answer. That's the answer for our lives. It's not just the ordering the next 10 years, the next 20 years, the next 50 years, the next 60 years. We start to get 70 years, 80 years, 90 years. Most of us won't be around in this chapter. See, it's this relationship. So how do we listen in our prayers, we start by listening to him. You know, this idea, you do not have because you do not ask, is, is really saying, is you, when your heart is aligned with me, when you're on the same page with me, uh, then when you ask, you're asking according to my will. Hey, Came across this quote somewhere, it says, uh, when you pray the word of God, you pray the will of God. But when you don't pray the word of God, you're not praying the word of God. Will of God. So you need to know God's word. See how it fits in. Now, I'm going to be a little transparent with you. I'm not going to be too transparent with you because uh, I don't want to, you know, give all my secrets away. But, uh, you know, I've been probably doing this concept of listening and then trying to base my talking with God out of what I've heard from him, primarily his word, for years and years and years now. And so what I do, and it's not to compare, it's not to, you know, everyone's relationship with God has a little different flavors, but what I do is, is I systematically read through God's word every year, probably done it for 20 years now, and as I do that uh, five times a week, I plan to, to spend time with that, and as I'm walking my way through the passages for that day, I highlight ones that jump out at me. Maybe it's a phrase, maybe it's something, and I just just highlight those and then I go through the passages signed that day, and then I, I, don't, I don't stop there because I've tried to learn this listing. I go back and, and make it into a conversation. So it's, I'm speaking to God, God's speaking to me. And then I try to refer to that a couple times throughout the day. A good day is when I go to bed at night and reread that with the thoughts of what God has said to me and what I said to him, but I start with listening. I don't start with where I'm at. I start where where I think he's at and what he's saying to me. So I'm going to share. This has been sanitized a little bit because who knows? Maybe your name would be in here. But uh, anyway, so you know, this is this is what I wrote. This this just this even past week. So I was looking at Ezra, uh, Nehemiah, and Romans. I think it was chapter uh, six. And so in a psalm and a proverb, and so this is just part of that. So I said, Father, help me to watch over my life in such a way that I don't slide into a lifestyle that's not aligned with you. When I do, open my eyes to it, and may I truly repent changing my life. It couldn't be any clearer that my old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin, that miserable life, no longer at sin's every beck and call. So I'm taking these verses, sometimes it's just changing the pronouns, and I'm saying, God, this is this is on my heart now. I've listened to your word, and this is what I'm saying. I would never have come up with that if I hadn't listened to him first. So that's the, the beauty of this. And then I envision God responding back to me, Dave, yes, that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your life. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. You can, probably see that this is from Romans 6. Throw yourself wholeheartedly and full time. Remember that you've been raised from the dead into my way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under the old tyranny of that any longer. You're living in my freedom. And I respond back to him. And I say, Father, if you weren't there for me, I would never make it. When I'm slipping, falling, your love takes hold and holds me fast, when I'm upset and beside myself, you calm me down and cheer me up. Though I'm ganged up on, plotted against behind my back, you are my hideout, my high mountain retreat. And it goes on. Now I'm not saying this is what you have to do, but this is how I try to listen first and then have my response come out of that listening. And, and it, it, it radically changes or has changed the way the way I pray for the last 10, 15 years. So are you listening? Just even that, if you're thinking about prayer and it seems like an old phone, rotary phone, are you starting your prayer, starting your conversations with God? You know, every once in a while I have exposure to someone who I think has a ton more, well, actually, a lot of times, more wisdom than I do. And sometimes I go to lunch with these people, these guys. And I know I'm sitting in the car getting ready to go have lunch with them. And I'm going, okay, Dave, keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Don't you keep talking. Let them talk. Learn, learn. I've told you about my friend Leon Meter who lived to be almost 102. And I would go out to coffee with him two or three times a year just because, or lunch, just because I wanted to see what a guy at the time, 95, thought about things. And, and I would get ready to go into the restaurant and I would just say, let him tell stories because he's going to tell you what he thinks is most important in life. And I have to work hard to listen and not fill the dead moments with my voice. You see, I, I really would have to work hard. At that. So when you come to the idea of talking with God, do you listen to him? Listen first. There's also this idea of looking to God. Daniel says this, he says, so I turn to look, turn to the Lord God. In other words, I'm, I'm giving him my attention. Um, sometimes uh, I'm sure this never happens in your house, but sometimes Cindy is talking to me, and I'm not even I'm I'm we're in the same room, and I'm not looking at her. I'm sometimes looking at my phone, and uh, it happened even last night, and my phone was beeping, and computer was binging, and I'm trying to like, and she's trying to figure out what our plan for the afternoon is, and all this kind of stuff, and 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 I wasn't looking to her. And all of a sudden, I shut everything down. I actually had to shut the lid of my computer, put my phone upside down, very tempted. And I looked at her, and then we had this, this conversation. I actually was engaged. I actually was paying attention. You see, Daniel, in this idea of looking to God, is actually paying attention. And Romans, read, attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious life, a free life. We talk about this often many times. You and I think attention to God limits life. It squeezes the joy out of life. It takes freedom away. We're actually, when we give God our attention, it produces freedom. It brings things into our life. It keeps things out of our life that keeps us not tangled up and tripping all over the place. So we pay attention. We look it was my second semester of my freshman year of high school, and I was taking Algebra One over again. I'd gotten a, a D+. Plus. The plus didn't mean anything to my father when I said, it's not that bad, I got a D+. Plus. So I'm taking it with Miss Fornia. She was a very old teacher. She was probably, as I was thinking about this, as I was thinking about the story, I was there realizing, yeah, she was really old. I think she was like in her 50s or something. <laughs> and she was ancient. And uh, she was teaching it, and she just had a unique way, all the old-fashioned terms, whatever those were, you know. She'd say, oh, fish sticks and stuff like that. And and uh, we're reviewing for an exam, and the soccer soccer gym class was playing outside, and and I was more interested in that. And it, was, it wasn't just kind of slightly to the right or to the left. It was like right behind. And so I'm sitting in my chair kind of like, you know, obviously watching and not paying attention. And she comes back, and I didn't even see her sneaking up on me. And she comes back and slams the blinds down and goes, Mr. Spencer, you're going to fail this exam. And I said, Miss Fornia, I'm going to get 100 on it. And she said, well, we'll see. Some one of us is going to have to eat crow in this room. Eat crow? What's that about? Anyway, so she, you know, moment of wisdom. And, and then she said, oh, fish sticks. No, I don't think she did. oh, fish But she did say that occasionally. So, so the test came, and two days later, she passed all the tests out after they'd been taken with her grades, and she saved mine for last. Mr. Spencer, here's your exam, and one of us is going to have to eat crow today, and it is me. You didn't have one mistake. Yeah, 100. She goes, I looked everywhere. See if your name was spelled right, everything. (laughs) Class cheers. You see, she didn't realize I really was paying attention. And, you know, I say, the class cheers. I think Miss Forney was cheering inside more because she was actually the one who had won the moment because she was getting Dave Spencer to actually do good in math. And uh, so she acted like, you know, went with it. And I acted like, you know, a cocky ninth grader. And, and she, you know, and she kind of went back in her mind. I'm sure she, I wish I could call and now and say, what were you thinking? She's probably was thinking, yes, yeah, so I'm going to get this kid through algebra this time around. I'm winning, not him. Attention. Do we really pay attention? Do we look? A lot of us have to bang our head against the walls. A lot of us have to to fail. Like I had to fail algebra to the second time. Now I've got to pay attention because I want to get out of high school and I've got to get this algebra class done. I really wasn't interested in that. Hosea talks about this. Hosea talks about this idea that when we don't pay attention and we fail, uh, God's going to use that. Sometimes God has to let us. The bottom drop out in life is the bottom dropping out in a part of your life it is one of the side issues. God just wants you to pay attention. And just maybe, not always, just maybe, the bottom wouldn't be dropping out in this part of your life if you paid attention. Hosea writes, until they have borne their guilt and seek my face. In other words, they're going to live in this misery. They will then earnestly seek me. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He's injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. In other words, God says, you're going to not pay attention. You're going to kind of do your own thing. I'm just going to be hands off. Let you experience life when you, don't, when you do your own thing. But God's waiting for us to realize, wow, I've hit the bottom, I've hit the floor, I'm, I'm down and out. Now in my misery, he's got my attention. See, Mrs. Forney, I don't think it was Miss Forney, I think it was somebody else, first semester did not have my attention. Then in my misery, more of my misery at home with my father, who, Very smart, very educated guy. Couldn't understand why his son wasn't passing algebra. I did not want to div in that misery anymore. So now, Miss Fornia had my attention inside, even though maybe it didn't look like on the outside. Next one is uh, engage your heart. Engage your heart. In verse 3, he continues on. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer. He was Engaged. Uh, We hear this in, in Jeremiah, this idea of engagement. In those days, at the time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel and the people of Judah together will go in tears to seek the Lord God. They will ask the way to Zion, they don't even know where it is anymore, and turn their faces towards it. They will come and bind themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten engagement. Are we engaged? Is our prayer life, is, there, is our heart connected with it? Maybe there needs to be tears, maybe there needs to be joy, but is there some kind of engagement? Is it just route? Cindy and I uh, are in the habit of uh, you know saying um, I love you at the end of our conversations, and we've been doing that now for like 30 years, and uh, um It's become, sometimes for me, just really rote. I remember the first time I discovered this was I was talking to 6'6", Larry Bell, uh, senior executive at Campbell Soup, 41 years plus there. And at the end of our conversation, I said, Larry, I love you. Talk to you later. And he's going, Dave, I love you too. I mean, I wasn't even thinking that, you know. It was just my sign-off. Didn't realize what I was saying is that the words are coming out. How are we engaged? Remember when the kids would pray sometimes, and they did the little lay me down to sleep, you know, before they go to bed, and sometimes you'd ask them to pray at a mealtime, and they weren't thinking, and they just started off with lay me down to sleep. And then they started laughing because they just went to nighttime prayer instead of mealtime prayer. But do we do the same thing? Do we do the same thing? Daniel was engaged. He pleaded. It brought tears he knew exactly what he was saying. He was all in. He was broken. Another side issue to us, are there things that actually break us, that engage us? Do you watch the news? We watch our friends in our area who have had devastation in their homes, and we watch the news that, that, that breaks us a little bit more because we know those places, we know those people, but we watch the news around the world, does it just kind of like go right over our heads? I've actually thought about doing this uh, recently, and I haven't really started uh, I do it occasionally, but actually, as I'm watching the evening news, to actually pray for what I see is going on. And I've actually thought, you know, maybe, maybe we should kind of like make this a thing, that, you know, Cindy and I are watching news, we shut off the TV after every news thing, and pray about that. And then, you know, and then if somebody's over at the house and they're watching news with us, we do the same thing. That's just what we do. We see heartbreak and we're engaged. Doesn't have to be that, but are we engaged? Are engages grab our heart? Uh, Lastly, real quick, and we're gonna wrap it up with this one. Um, We'll get the blanks filled in another time, so don't worry about that. Uh, Express your seriousness. Are are you really serious? I so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, in sackcloth and ashes. Now, in our culture, you never really see someone praying in sackcloth and ashes. You do see some fasting going on. Some of us have probably done that, done that a few times. But the real bottom line is giving it our focus, being serious about it. Uh, Sometimes, again, we're cavalier with our prayers. Uh, You know, there was a time where... The disciples came across a situation they just couldn't handle. They prayed a little bit and they weren't really serious about it. And Jesus comes back to them. The reason you couldn't get this to happen, he says you needed prayer and fasting. And the, yes, the fasting is there. And I don't think uh, fasting is, you know, is, a, is a way to earn an answer, but fasting is just showing the heart of seriousness. And so he, he does this because the prayers weren't really serious enough. Just a side note on fasting. Fasting is not earning in answer fasting only if your health allows and if you want to know more about it, if you go to our Facebook page there will be a, a, a connection a link there sometime this morning um, from Rick Warren it has a little nice little study guide on that but this idea of, of taking it seriously one of the times I really took prayer seriously I was a freshman, a sophomore in college and uh, I found uh, the love of my life, at least I thought it was, she was the love of my life. I was 19, she was 22, and so when I got back to my fall semester at college, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, Monday through Friday, from 1 to 2 p.m., every day I'm going to go into the prayer room on our dorm, they had a room set aside for that, and I'm going to pray for this relationship. And I actually figured it out last night. It was 75 hours of prayer. There was some sleeping in there too, I'm sure. But for the most part, it was 75 hours of prayer. And so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and... uh, Got really serious, you know, because the word says this. Again, I'm following, listening. Uh, When a man finds a wife, he finds something good. It shows that the Lord is pleased with him. So I'm listening, so my prayer is reflecting what God has said to me, said to us all. And so I found this girl when I was 19. There they are. And tomorrow we celebrate 30 years of being married. So... So often, when I'm thanking my lucky stars, not really my lucky stars, that Cindy said yes, that she married me, I remember that I seriously sought God in 75 hours of prayer. I don't know if I prayed for anything that much before. And she's with me. So Cindy, sorry, you couldn't fight prayer in God wherever you are. That's what happens. So guys, if you see a girl out there and you're still, you know... Just get in there. I think 70, I think 50 hours might do it for you. But again, I'm kidding. This isn't a formula kind of thing. So this is the bottom line. If you talk to God regularly, if it's a pattern of life, it's the listening first kind of prayer. It's the looking to God kind of prayer. It's the engaged kind of prayer. If you talk to God regularly, not talk at God, but respond to him and talk to him regularly, irregular things will happen regularly. See the play on words there? Woo! But uh, think about that. Think about that. Daniel gives us that lesson of how to pray. So let's pray. Great Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the gift of Daniel's life story. We're thankful that he had the resolve to follow you all the days of his life, and we're thankful that, he get, that we get a glimpse into his heart by the way he interacts with a harsh world, a harsh culture. Uh, he could have just kind of cocooned himself, he could have just gone along with the flow, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He thrives. He just doesn't survive. Lord, help us to learn to pray, to talk with you in a better way. Help us not to talk at you. Help us to listen first. Help us be in the habit of praying your will by praying your word. Help us to have these conversations with you Lord, have us to give it more attention, more time in our lives. Not a quick meal prayer, not a quick morning bedtime prayer, but times where we actually sit down and talk with you after you've talked with us. And Lord, help it to be something that's serious in our life, not sloppy. Those of us who have fallen in love in a time in our lives, Remember when we were trying to win that person's heart and uh, we did everything. We, We gave energy, time, resources to build, to establish that relationship. Help us to think through those terms when it comes to our relationship with you. We thank you that we're not alone in this world. We're thankful that you do have plans to prosper and give us hope for the future. And we're thankful that that hope in that future isn't just next week, isn't a year from now, but it's forever. It's for eternity. Lord, help us with this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.